Good morning. Welcome to Bethany. My name is Tom. We're so glad that all of you decided to come and be with us this morning. God is here. He's doing great things. And you came on a very special day. It just so happens to be Matt Patrick's big 25th birthday. (coughs) Yeah, you're getting closer to me, buddy. Yeah, no way. So love on him on the way out. We're so glad you're here. Uh, If you have your Bible with you, and you'd open it to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be spending some time there this morning. We are in week two of a very, very transformational series called 30 Days to Live. And in it we ask, how would our lives be different if we really knew how brief life really is? So uh, we're going to start today, not in Matthew 6, but uh, this will be up on the screen. And uh, it's a verse two verses actually from Psalm 39 that are going to drive us through this series. It's a prayer of David, and I would, I would hope that we would make it our prayer this morning. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. Here's what the Lord says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is what? Is fleeing away. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. How brief our time on earth would be. That's, that's our focus on this series. And I would, I would ask that we take the first sentence from these verses and we'd, we'd make that our prayer this morning. All of us together, if we'd, if we'd say that aloud and make it your prayer. Say it with me. Help me out. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Thank you. Amen. And because our time is so brief, last week we looked in the book of James. We looked in the book of James and James said what? What is our life? Our life, he said, is a mist. It appears for a while and then vanishes. It's that fast. And because life is so brief, I want to ask a question. One of the things that I think would be the most important, one of the most important questions that we could ask about life, because life is so brief, and that is this. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is it here on earth or is it in heaven? Is it material or is it eternal? That is the question. That's the question that we're going to be asking this morning. Do we focus on things on this earth that really don't matter, that are just going to burn up and and don't last? Are we focusing on eternal things? I love the story of a guy who was so in love with his money that he put all his money into a, a briefcase. And his wife said, honey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm putting all my money into a briefcase. And you see, someday I'm going to die. And I'm going to take this briefcase. So I'm going to take this briefcase. I'm going to put it in the attic. And when I die on my way to heaven, I'm going to pass by the briefcase and I'm going to take it and take it with me. And sure enough, the guy died. And, and after the funeral, the wife went up into the attic. And there's a briefcase just where he left it. And she said, I told him he should have put it in the basement. All that to say this, whether you're going this way or this way, you're not taking it with you. How many have heard the expression, you never never see a hearse hooked up to a U-Haul full of stuff, right? 
You can't take it. You can't take it with you. And that's why Jesus, Jesus gives a very important teaching on this. Very important teaching. And that is in, in Matthew chapter 6. Turn there to verse 20. 620, and Jesus is saying, or 19 rather, do not store up for yourselves treasures where? Say it with me. Help me out. On earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. In verse 20, he goes on. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal and verse 21 here's the key this is why it is so important for where your treasure is there your help me out there your what your heart will be also for where your treasure is there your heart will be also where the things we value the things we treasure that's where our heart the deepest part of ourselves will continually drift toward where your treasure is there your heart will be also And so it benefits us not only to know where our treasure is, but what is it? What is it? Well, in this verse, the Greek word that is used for treasure is the sorrows. The sorrows. It's not thesaurus, although they're related here. It is not a dictionary of synonyms that make your college and high school papers sound much smarter than you actually are. It is thesaurus. And what that means is a deposit of wealth, something of great value. What are you putting your best into? What are you saving your best for? You're putting your energy, your wealth, your resources, your time. Are you depositing those in things of this earth? Or are you depositing them in heavenly and eternal things? That's the question. How do we know? Well, look at the last seven days. Last seven days, last week. Since we were together last week, what did you focus on? What did you pour your life into? What did your heart drift toward? Was it the things of this earth? Was it material things? Or was it eternal things, the things of God? Because if it is the things of this earth, then our treasure is here. But if it's in heaven, then our treasure is there. But we need to think about it. Think about it. Think about it for you. If you're anything like me, this is a big challenge. This is a big struggle. And I think about this. Consider this. If we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have, and that creates a mountain of debt, then by our actions, wouldn't you say we're saying that our treasure is material, is on earth? Think about it. If we buy things we don't need with money we don't have, we're pouring Everything into things that really don't matter. Think about it. And Jesus went on to say later in verse 33, don't worry. He, he says, don't worry about these things. We talked about it two weeks ago when we talked about the economy. And in verse 33, this is the key. He says, but seek, help me here, seek first. How, when are we going to seek it? First. And what are we going to seek? God's kingdom God's righteousness, and he's going to take care of all the things that we need. And all these things will be given to you as well. We seek first. It's not worrying about stuff. It's not getting caught up in stuff. Things, having things, is not sinful necessarily. Seeking them first is. Seeking them 
first is. Seeking them more than we seek God. Seeking them before we seek God. Having them be more important than the things of God and the things that God cares about. That is. And he says, seek first. So what's in first place that we seek? That's the question. 30 days to live. If we knew we had 30 days to live, if we realized how brief our time on earth would be, I guarantee you we wouldn't be putting stock in things that we're right about to lose. Our perspective would be changed. Throughout this series, we've promised every, every week we're going to meet somebody else who has this perspective, who is in this circumstance. Last week, we make, met Stacy. This week, you're going to meet Larry. And Larry is in this perspective because he's been told by the doctors he has a very brief time to live. And this is, this is so valuable to have somebody who is this close, this close to standing face to face with God because he knows He knows what matters. He knows what doesn't matter. And I'd ask you to listen to him. And it's hard. It's hard to understand him at first, but wrap your ears around it. See, it's hard to understand because Larry was diagnosed with ALS, which is also Lou Gehrig's disease. But as you listen, listen with your heart. You'll hear the voice of God, and you'll never be the same. Meet Larry. And then in February and March of 2005, I was diagnosed with ALS. And literally, August, or that time, you could say, is one month. And then since I was diagnosed with ALS, it's a completely different life. My dreams before I got sick with ALS, um, included, you know, being able to provide for my family, uh, walking my daughters down the aisle, um, seeing my kids grow up, um, owning a, a fancy Mustang, um, you know, I had some material dreams. Um, since January of 07, I've lost the ability to feed myself, clothe myself, bathe myself. Um, you really can't say, you know, at this day I lost this or this day I lost because it's kind of gradual. You lose it and then you can try to do it, but then one day you just wake up and your body won't allow you to do that. So. I pretty much consider the quadriplegic now. I'm completely dependent on everybody for everything. That's Larry's perspective. That's Larry's position. You're going to hear more from him later about what he's learned, what he's learned from God, about what does and doesn't matter. And, and Matt and I have been watching Larry's videos for weeks, and every time I watch him, it just wrecks me. It just wrecks me because it's so easy for me. And if you're like me, it's so easy for me to lose sight of what matters and grasp a hold of what doesn't. And when I see this, including this time, I pray, God, God, please burn on my heart the eternal perspective of what matters, where my treasure is, because life is brief. And all of a sudden, 
there's this focus that comes. And God gives this, this focus. And things that don't matter start to fall away as I, as I focus on Him. And this has happened several times over the last week or so. And when I walk away, when I go back to my office, when I come uh, home or, or go uh, in my car to go run an errand or something, it is so easy. It is so easy for me to just totally lose that, lose a grip on that focus. And this morning, my prayer is that I would have that focus and that it would last. And I hope that's your prayer too. Not to slip back, but remember that life is a mist. It is here for a moment, and then it vanishes. We can't be wasting time on the things that don't matter. And so in honor of God's word, to seek first eternal things, seek him, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, I'm making three internal promises. I invite you to make them this morning as well. These are three promises that I am going to try with all my might and beg God for the strength to follow. I ask you to do it too. If you're taking notes, the first internal promise is to guard against materialism. Would you say that with me? Guard against materialism. We must guard against putting our treasure in things of this earth. And in Luke chapter 12, in verse 15, Jesus teaches about this. He warns. In verse 15, he says, watch out. Listen to how intense Jesus gets about this. He says, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because a man's life, a person's life, does not consist in the abundance of what? His possessions. The, the, the quality of our life does not exist in our stuff. And he says, watch out. Why? Because it's a threat, because it's a trap, because it's a hole that most of us, quite frankly, step into and fall into. And Jesus says, watch out. It is robbing you from real life. This is a powerful delusion. Watch out. Don't slip into that. Realize that you you have a materialistic trap in front of you. And watch out. And I need to watch out. Because what this is saying... What Jesus is saying before is that your life is not your things. Your life is not your car. Your life is not your house. Your life is not your ski pass. Your life is not your clothing. Your life is not your vacations. Your life is not your trophies that are stuffed and stuck on the wall. Your life is more than these things. It is not consisting of the abundance of stuff. And most of us would say, yeah, 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 I get that. Life isn't my stuff. It's, it's more than that. It's more important than that. But we look at the way we live. Look at the way we live. Look at the American dream. What is the American dream? One would think that if you study the American dream, you'd think stuff is the stuff that matters. Things are the thing that matters. Because the American dream basically is this. Maybe you start out in an apartment. Maybe you start out in a trailer. But you're not going to stay there. The dream is we're going to get a house. We're going to get into a house, not rent. We're going to own. We're going to get a house. We're going to get a better house. Then we're going to get the best house, the perfect house, the trophy house. And the kitchen's going to be have every gadget and every shiny stainless steel and the thing that talks to you in the whole bit. And then, not only that, you're going to have the kitchen, you're going to have the home theater, and you're going to have, and, and, and you're going to have the jacuzzi tub. 
the jacuzzi tub. And that's important so you can throw your dirty clothes in it because nobody ever uses it, right? And then you got, you know, you need that extra space even though you've got a closet the size of all outdoors, a closet you could run laps around, eight laps around the, around the closet. That's a mile. That's your exercise for the day. And then you got your garage. Your garage, three or four bays. Why? Because you've got a lot of cars. You may have a four-wheeler. Maybe you have a boat. Maybe you have a motorhome. You need places to keep this. You know what? People used to think, I need a place for my family. Does this house have enough room for family or my friends? You know what it is now? Does this home have enough storage? Store it. Why? Because we got a lot of junk that we use. We got even more junk that at one point we thought we, we couldn't live without, but we don't use it anymore. But we're not ready to throw it out. We're selling. <laughs> so we got to store it. Look at the American dream. Watch out. Watch out. Because we say once we have these things, if you remember last week, we play the when-then game. Once we get all this stuff, then I can have my family. Then my life will matter. When we have this stuff, then I'll be happy. And what did we learn about then? Seldom comes. God, turn our whens into now, we said. Help us guard against materialism. It's a trap. It's a trap. Watch out, Jesus said. In Luke's gospel, in that 12th, um, that 12th chapter, Jesus tells a story of a guy who seems to be illustrating what the American dream is. And in, uh, he goes on and he, he tells this about this guy. He says, this guy was very successful. He had a bumper crop. He had great success and great prosperity. And he says, what am I going to do with all the stuff that I have? I can't fit it in my barn. I know. I'll build a bigger barn and a better barn and a bigger and better and bigger and better and bigger and better. And then one day I'll have so much stuff that I'm going to get the world's biggest recliner and I'm going to sit back and have a refrigerator there too and a big screen. And I'm going to relax and take life easy. And what does he say? What does Jesus say to this guy in verse 20? God said to him, you fool, you fool this very night. Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for who? For yourself. Don't miss verse 21. That's the key here. This is how it will be for who? For anyone. For you, for me, for us. If we store up things for ourselves but are not rich toward God. But are not rich toward God. If you're into getting rich, you might as well do it in the place that really matters and be rich with God. This is how it will be. I promise you, if you only have 30 days to live, what we're pursuing and we're earning and we're flipping through catalogs and searching the Internet for and hoping one day we'll get all that stuff wouldn't matter squat. It wouldn't matter a bit if we all knew how brief Life really is. If we realize that our life is the width of a hand, it is a mist that is here for a moment and then vanishes. Larry knows this. Jesus knows this. I want to know this to the core of my being. I pray that you do too. I pray that you do too. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard. Sure, you may have a lot of things, but life is a mist. Be rich toward God. My prayer for myself is, Lord, guard me from being materialistic. 
Lord, protect Tom Burgraff from materialism because I'm just like you and probably worse than most. 25% of the people in our community live beneath the poverty line, and this is my car key. I deserved a Lexus. 25% of our community lives beneath the poverty line. And I bought a car that costs more than everything some of the people I'm called to love own. I repent of that. God, forgive me. God, guard me against being so materialistic. That's internal promise number one. Internal promise number two, if you're taking notes, I'm making this, I invite you to make this too, is that we're to be radically generous. Say it with me. Be radically generous. Be so generous. Be fantastically, exponentially generous inconceivably generous, not just with your your money, with your time, with your affections, with your attention, with your encouragement, with your focus, with your attention to the people who matter, the things that matter, instead of holding on to everything and grasping everything and living life like this, we're called to live life like this, right? Not this, but this. This is how God calls us to live. It all belongs to him. If you were here last week, we studied that. Or two weeks ago. It's all his. What do you want me to do with your stuff today, Lord? Who do you want me to bless? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to bless this person who is lonely or hurting or trapped in sin? How do you want me to to be your arms and your feet and your heart and your word? How do you want me to love people? I want to be generous in all things. In all things. Why? Why is that important? Because you cannot love and not also give. Love gives. Love gives. John 3.16, if you know it. For God so what? For God so loved. God so loved you. God so loved me. God so loved the world that he gave God so loved that he gave love gives he gave what his only son Jesus Christ the most precious thing the best thing the most incredible thing he could ever give so those who believe in him would not perish God loved and his love was expressed in giving in pouring out and he wants to pour out on you this morning for those who will receive it I'm going to receive it Make your mind up now. You're not going to leave here the same way because God has something to give you. I promise it's himself. And it's going to change. It's going to rock my world and your world. God loved that he gave. That love give thing we should understand, right? How many of you have children? Hands up. Come on. Don't be embarrassed to your children. That's right. You got kids? I have two. I have two. Now, do you get particular pleasure? I know there's some out there. But do you get particular pleasure out of withholding good things that your kids need? Or do you get incredible joy from giving to your children? Giving to your children, right? You get great joy out of doing that. I have a daughter, Quincy. How are you doing? A little shout out to you. 
Quincy knows how much joy I get out of giving and giving. And sometimes, maybe once, she might have taken advantage of this. Your kids might too, but love gives. Hands up. Do you have a husband? Do you have a wife? Do you have a sweetie pie? Do you have a sugar lump? I don't know what you call him or her. What do you got? Nobody? Come on, get them up. What do you like to do? What do you like to do? (laughs) Do you keep things from them? Or do you go to Jerry's place, open glory, got to give a shout out to the family, and buy all these little tchotchkes and give them to him. Give them to her. Maybe you go to Family Dollar. You buy five stuffed walruses. Who knows? I don't know what you people buy. But you do. If you're buying for me, Ben and Jerry's. Okay? It's that simple. Now, you give and you give and you give. Why? Because love gives. And I've only been in this pastor thing a short time, but there's a lot of people who will come up to you and say, you know, I don't know about these churches. They're always talking about giving. Duh! Yeah! What do you think? It's ours? Of course we talk about giving. We talk about giving our entire lives. All that we are, all that we have, all that we're ever going to be to Jesus Christ because it's the only reasonable response to what God has given us in Jesus. It's the only reasonable response. And if you have a problem with that, if you have a problem with that, then you have a heart condition. I'm going to be as blunt. I'm going to be real blunt here. That if you don't give to God, you don't love God. So you go, no, 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 that's not true. No, it is. Because love always gives. And, and, and when we recognize that everything belongs to him and how much he loves us and we return them, we return everything. We return everything. The clothes, the Lexus, the house, our attention, our focus, our dreams. Because in him, we have treasure in heaven. That's what we do. It's the only reasonable thing. You talk to someone who has only a little time left. Maybe you've had a parent, a grandparent, a brother, a sister who knows they're dying. What do they do? Do they live like this? No, they're doing this. They're giving it all away. Notes, apologies, praise, encouragement, money, stuff. They're giving it all away. Why? Because they know. They know it's about to be taken from them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't last. Maybe we could get that perspective, not when it's almost too late to do anything about it, but right now, right now, and live the rest of our lives as if we only had 30 days to live. Give it away. Give it away. One of the greatest ways that we can give to, to God is to give to people who are in need. It's one of the greatest ways. Jesus said, one day I'm going to be there. Jesus is saying this, and I'll have two groups of people, one on this side, uh, one on this side who know me, and the other group on this side who don't know me. We'll get more personal. One day you will stand in front of Jesus. One day you will stand in front of Jesus, and he'll say this to you. That's our prayer. It's in Matthew 25. It's in Matthew 25, verse 35. And Jesus says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me what? Something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to what? To drink. Way to go. Thank you. And you say, looking back over my life, I I did some things for people who were in need in my community, in my family, in my friends, in my dorm. But I would have remembered you, Jesus. 
He said, he goes on in verse 40, and this is, this is the key. This is the key. Let God speak, what words speak to your heart. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, that whatever you did to the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. Why be generous? Because it's as if we're giving directly to Jesus Christ. Why bear the burden of others? Why meet the needs of others? Why give to his ministry and his work? Because we're giving to him. And if we only had 30 days to live, we'd be storing up treasure in heaven, not treasures on earth. And I say, God, help me. Help me not to hold tightly. Help me not to be materialistic. Help me be generous as you were generous. Help me give it all like I don't have any time left because you're going to meet my needs. Help me be generous in every way. That's my second eternal promise. I hope it's yours. If you're taking notes, the third eternal, internal promise, and I'm, looking, I'm working toward is this, God help me focus on what matters. God help me focus on what matters. Say it with me. Help me focus on what matters. Oh, that that would be our prayer this morning. Why do I need to focus on what matters? Well, because most of the time, I don't. I don't. I mean, really, do you? Think about the things that you get all balled up about. That wig you out, that freak you out. Are they eternal things or are they earthly things? I have this kind of phobia. It's a little, little uh, authentic moment here. Maybe it comes from living in New Orleans. But when I go to the grocery and I buy frozen food, I always get it last because it freaks me out if it starts to melt before I get home. So let's say I'm in Safeway and I get a pint of, I don't know, Ben & Jerry's Super Fudge Chunk. You know the New York Super Fudge Chunk? And I'm going to the checkout. And somebody cuts in front of me. And it's one of you. So I can't beat you up. I can't say something. But I'm freaking out. Because it's melting. I can feel it. What is it for you? Maybe it's your IRA. Maybe it's your bank account. You watch that. You watch the stock market. It goes down. You freak out. You freak out. You freak out in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. It's a small town. I've seen you do it. Right? You get all crazy. Somebody spills something. Somebody does a TiVo, the Bronco game. Oh! You see these people. They're in our town. Some of them are in this room. They're freaking out. Why? Because by some, I don't know. I don't know who put this thing together. Walmart is redecorating. City market at the same time is moving stuff around. I can't find anything. You see people walking through the store. Man, somebody helped them find the tranquilizers. Lord. And we get all balled up about this stuff, right? And you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And when we're torn up about all this stuff that doesn't matter, we're totally ignoring the things that do. We're totally ignoring the things that do. I've been doing this. I invite you to try it. It's a good filter to run everything through. Is this thing I'm getting real upset about, is it going to matter 100 years from now? 
hundred years from now, is anybody going to care? If you can say yes, then the thing that you're thinking about might be eternal. But if, as in many cases in my life, you could say nobody is ever going to care about this 100 years from now, then the thing that you're worried about is earthly. And we're putting our focus on the things that don't matter. It's not eternal. So what matters? What does matter? People matter. People matter. The person sitting next to you this morning, they matter. The people in this town who don't have enough to feed their kids, to keep them warm, they matter. The people you go to college with or high school with in your classes who you don't talk to because they're not part of your social group, they matter. Your parents, although you might have a strained relationship with them, oh, they matter. Your children, they matter. Your brothers and sisters, they matter. Your friends, they matter. And our church and every church needs to get this point, that people who are far from God, whose lifestyle even offends you, who don't attend this church or any church, boy, do they matter. They matter to Jesus Christ. And if they matter to Jesus Christ, then by goodness, His people have to get heart-possessed with loving them. The church is known for the kinds of people we hate. And they matter. They matter so much that if you can show me something that matters more in God's heart, I'll pour my life into it and walk away today. But what if our church is done? What if our church is done? We said, oh... Look at how we live. Look at how we live. And if you don't live like we live, we're not going to love you. Well, Jesus loves them. And if his people don't, then they need to take a very, very hard look at whether or not they are indeed his people because they matter. You matter. Jesus matters. I'm sorry, that was a rant. But it's a frustration because 90% of our community is unchurched or de-churched. They're outside of church because the church has hurt them. And many followers of Jesus Christ don't give a flip about it. We will give our last breath to making sure everybody at the college, everybody at the community, knows God loves them, knows God has a forgiving heart, wants to forgive them of their sin and wash them clean. They can have life in him. If that's not what you're about, then you're in the wrong place. There are no perfect people here. But that is what matters. We're going to do it. God's word matters. Loving people until they know how God feels about them, that matters. What keeps us from all those things that matter? being seduced, being enamored with things that don't. How do I know this? Because I look at my own life. I look at my own life. And I say, God, help me. Help me not be materialistic. Help me be generous. Help me focus on the things that matter. And will always matter to you.
30 days to live. 30 days to live. The Apostle Paul was in a prison and he was chained to a guard. And if he was asked, if you had 30 days to live, Paul, well, because he might in this circumstance, what would you say? What would be your, your video message? What do you want us to know? And that's in Philippians. His answer might be this, Philippians 3, 7, and 8. He said this in verse 7, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever is to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider what? I consider everything, everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost what? All things, I consider them rubbish. Say it with me. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. 30 days to live. His perspective that he wants to give to us, that God's word is trying to give to us, is he has lived it all. He's seen it all. He's had it. He's lost it. And he would trade it all. It's all junk compared to knowing Jesus. Everything I thought was valuable, everything I poured my life into, other than this, was garbage, was rubbish. And rubbish, rubbish is a light word for this. You high school students probably know this if you hang around with Matt. One of our favorite words is the Greek word for rubbish, and that is what? Do you remember? Scubula. Scubula, that's right. Now, that's the Greek word, scubulon. Now, what does that mean? Well, the King James Version has a a better translation than rubbish. King James calls it dung, D-U-N-G, the ultimate refuse. But even that is a wuss translation of the word. It is not truly rubbish. It is not truly dung. It goes beyond. It is the worst kind of thing. It is the worst kind of thing. In fact, no Bible translator would use the real word. It begins with the same letter as skubulon. And if we were to make it into, oh, yeah, the light just went on. If we were to make it into a bumper sticker, it would say skubulon happens, right? That is what Paul is saying. Everything that I thought was important is skubulon compared to knowing Jesus Christ. It's not important. Larry knows this. Paul knows this. Jesus knows this. And he, Jesus loves us so much, he wants us to know it so that we can redeem the time, so that we can live as if we had only 30 days. Larry, whom he met earlier, you're about to hear from again. He does not have 30 days to live. Between the time when he recorded this message and now, he went to be with Jesus. So I would like for you to hear his voice, hear his message, and hear it with your heart. Allow it to speak to you. Allow it to change you as it is changing me together with the scripture. Listen to Larry. Um, For the next 30 days, I would want my spiritual life to be one that people can look upon and say, there is somebody who believes.
He knew God was doing what was best for him. There is somebody whose family knows they're loved because, not only because I love them, but because God loves them, because I have shown them how to love and how to love God. And I hope that um, people can see that when they meet me. Since I was diagnosed, I had a lot of regrets. Um, I wish that, um, I regret that the, I, there are times where I felt like, oh, I know like I should have been a better husband. Um, instead, I was a very selfish person. Um, I regret being, you know, always thinking of myself first um, instead of my wife and my kids sometimes uh, when it came to work. Um, there's no job. If I were to get healthy today, there's no job, no amount of money that would keep me from my family like I used to stay away. There's no sporting event that would keep me away from my family. Um, that's probably my biggest regret. At whatever campus you're at, don't look at life as a series of hardships over finances. Look at life as how can I take one step today to be closer to God than I was yesterday? You know, Maureen, I don't think there is anything that I haven't already told you. Um, I love you. I know you love me. And my biggest regret is that this illness has caused a lot of emotional pain for you. But I do know that we have grown as a couple and that I love you and that I hope one day even after I'm gone you can find somebody who loves you as, as much as I do now. And yes, you can use this. How can I take one step? Today, he said, to be closer 
to God than I was yesterday. This is the time. It's the time for me. It's the time for you to do that. To refuse to leave here the same people that we walked in. I think we're all ready to pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the message of Jesus. Father, may the message of Jesus and Larry's words to each of us this morning, may they impact us in an eternal way. Today, if you're like me and you want to gain this eternal perspective and not lose it, to know what really matters, to know how to live a life of not clenched fists, but open hands and open arms, to know what really matters and not to be materialistic, If you want that perspective that God calls us to, I'd invite you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Raise them up. If you want that, if you want that life, amen. Amen. we got hands going up all over the place. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself that we might have that. Pray with me. Lord, change our priorities. Lord, we want to seek first your kingdom. Lord, we don't want to be caught up in the material. We don't want our treasure to be on earth. We want our treasure to be with you. Lord, we want to give from open hearts and open hands to those who need it, knowing that we're giving to you. Lord, we want to give all our lives to you. We don't want to get caught up in the American dream that we lose Jesus' dream for our lives. To be so yielded, to be so surrendered that you have the opportunity to use us, our gifts, the things you've blessed us with for anything that you want, Lord. Lord, help us to focus on what really matters, on what really, really matters, not on the things that don't. We want our treasure with you in heaven. We want you to supernaturally attach this onto our heart, write it on our heart, write it on our minds so that we don't walk away and go back to life as normal. We want your priorities as if we didn't have much time left. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. We want to live as you want us to live. We praise you. We look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, still in a spirit of prayer, I would ask some of you, some of you were here last week, some of you here this week, and you're hearing about this Jesus, and you know, God, you're recognizing that you're not walking with God. You're recognizing that there are things in your life that the Bible calls sin, and it doesn't matter how many times or what they are, and that have separated you from God. And if I had one thing to say on a deathbed, if I had one thing to say to any people I love like you, I would say this, Jesus loves you. God loves you. God so loved you that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. So that if we would believe in him and we would give our lives to him, that no matter what we did, no matter how bad, no matter how often, no matter how vile, no matter how filthy, he took it onto the cross. He took it on himself. He died. He did something we could never do for ourselves. He took our sin upon him and paid the price. And he died and he was buried and he rose again. So that if we accept him, if we receive him, he'll wash us clean. 
we'd have a life with him as his child, he would not be just near us. He would be within us. We would speak to God. We would hear from God. We'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'd have an eternity with him. We'd start piling up treasures in heaven. We'd start living and wanting different things, things that matter, not the things that don't. Maybe you're saying, I don't know if I belong to him, but I want to. Well, you can this morning. You can. He will come in. He will meet you here. He will change your world. We're going to pray. As the worship team plays, we're going to praise God. I'd ask you to stand. I'd ask you to, I'd ask you to stand. As they pray, pour your hearts out to God. Do business with Him. If your prayer this morning is like mine, Lord, help me not be materialistic, then you come and you pray. There are people here who will pray with you. You can use this altar. There are people around you who will pray. You come. If your prayer is, help me to focus on things that really matter. Help me be generous. You come, you pray. Maybe it's, I want to know this, Jesus. I need forgiveness for my sins so I can spend eternity with him and not separated from him in hell. You come, you pray. This is the most important decision, the most important moment. He only had one day to live. This is the decision to make. Let's go.